safety. You know, I believe God is in control and, you know, I'm just praying. So there's a guy leaning on his shovel, wondering why a hole in the ground is not appearing. Well, he can pray all he likes, believe in all of God's sovereignty that he likes. But if he doesn't start digging, guess what? He's not going to get that lousy hole. God's not going to do it for him. And it's the same here. If you want to see good government, and you should, righteousness exalts a nation. If you want to see godly leaders, if you want to see the faith not being attacked so much, our kids not under constant warfare, well, guess what? You got to get your hands dirty. Hey, I'm Cody Mitchell, and welcome to the Daily Declaration podcast. Today, I was joined for a second time by Bill Muhlenberg of Culture Watch. We discussed uh, his thoughts and reflections on the Victorian election outcome. We talked about what has happened, as well as looking to the future and uh, where we go from here. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. It's great to talk to you again, Bill. Great to be back with you. Fantastic. Um, obviously, uh, Victoria's just been through uh, an election. Um, it's a lot of people are responding to it in different ways. Uh, Daniel Andrews is is back in government, um, and you know a lot of people are you know, very disappointed. Christians, in particular, uh, with that outcome. Um, should have we been surprised that about this outcome? Do you think? Yeah, probably not. Uh, in fact, many were saying uh, this is probably where we're going to end up, uh, kind of much the same. And it is. Uh, Labor back in, majority government, both houses. Uh, both houses, they've lost a few seats, so that's nice. But, you know, more of it may have gone to Greens or Teals, which is not nice. So at the end of the day, we probably have about the same situation. I mean, yeah, a lower vote for Labour, so that's a good thing. Maybe 7% down, all things considered, which is good. Um, as we say, a little bit less, uh, fewer seats. Um, but yeah, if we get so-called independents, TOs, obviously Greens, who are going to, well, A, join with Labour, and B, just be probably as radical and unhelpful, uh, yeah, it's it's not good. And again, many of us kind of thought, well, it's not just that Dan Andrews is the uh, Machiavellian politician par excellence, right? He's known only politics his whole life. He's never had a real day job. He's been a political machine all of his life or in the political machinery. And well, couple of that with an absolute lack of opposition from the libs, which has been true a long time in Victoria, in much of other states, even nationally, so often a weak, unprincipled, cowardly, apathetic, and half woke and half let's move more to the left liberal party. Well, you're not going to win an election when you have two parties basically the same. You got full on labor and the libs kind of chasing labor, trying to be labor light. So if you have that combination and a determined Dan Andrews with all the machinery he has, including a very sympathetic mainstream media, you know, the unions, education, everything pretty much right behind him, uh, all of that taken together, you, you, you pretty much know, yeah, we're going to get this outcome. It's not going to be, you know, it was looking a little hopeful 
last week or so with some of the polls, but all up, nothing changed, nothing really uh, remarkable happened. It was the status quo. And uh, yeah, so sadly, we're back to where we started. More Dan Andrews, more labor, more misery if you're pro-freedom, pro-faith, pro-family. Mm, absolutely. It's, uh, I mean, there was a, a swing against the, the Labour Party and, and the Liberal Party. There seemed to be a, a shift away from from both major parties, but um, it, it did seem to, as you say, feed a little bit into the, the, the Greens and some of those not-so-independent independents. And um, yeah, so even though there was a, a shift overall in the vote, the, the outcome didn't seem overly promising. So what do you think, um, I guess, were some of your key takeaways, not only, I guess, from the, the election, but from the, the campaign leading up to it, the election, and now the, the fallout as it continues? Yeah, yeah. Well, as to the outcome, um, well, I mean, the, the percentage, at least lower house for labor, uh, you know, primary votes, 37%. That's not a massive, uh, that means 63% of Victorians, right, did not primarily in their primary vote run with labor. Uh, Libs close second at 35 or so, 34 so in both cases, the main parties, as you say, losing out on votes and swings away. But, you know, uh, 35, 36, 37% plus preferences from the Greens, the Teos and others means they're going to get in, which they did. So kind of good news that, you know, nobody seems to like Labour all that much. Nobody seems to like Libs all that much. But if it's enough to get Labour in, that's the bad news. So the outcome hasn't been good. Again, we're waiting on things. Uh, Bernie Finn, our great champion here in Victoria, still waiting on him, whether he gets in or not. Uh, possible bit of good news, uh, Fiona Patton, upper house sex party maniac, uh, you know, just, well, reason party nowadays, but uh, Every lousy thing you can imagine she's been running with and these so-called cross-benchers uh, always been scratching Dan Andrews' back. He in turn scratches theirs, so they keep doing grubby deals with each other. They'll support labor on everything. Dan will support people like Patton with her, you know, let's legalize prostitution fully everywhere. Let's have uh, shops set up right next to schools, to churches. You know, that's the kind of stuff they're pushing. But at this stage, it's possible she may not get back in. So that's a little glimmer of hope, a little bit of good news in terms of outcomes. Um, more uh, deeming for Libs, who ended up taking uh, Bernie Finn's spot. She did get in. So, you know, little bits and pieces of hope here and there. But as far as the campaign goes, well, again, the, the lousy campaign, certainly on the Libs part, uh, pretty much tells us why we have the outcome that we do. Uh, well, you know, what did uh, Matthew Guy do? Did he? show the distinctiveness of a conservative liberal party? Did he separate himself from labor? Did he show himself to be a man of conviction and principle? No, he basically did everything labor was doing, right? Same foolish uh, net zero goals, same foolish, even supporting things like, uh, you know, this horrible bill 
which basically criminalizes any parent or priest or pastor who prays for somebody with unwanted sexual attraction, right? You can get 10 years in jail for doing that. Matthew Guy and the Libs basically supported stuff like that. So if you run a campaign, which is labor light, nothing distinctive, nothing unique, well, A, that's bad for democracy. You don't have two real parties, you have one. And B, why would anybody want to vote for a party like that? If you want the labor stuff, well, vote labor, right? Why mess around with the libs? And well, look, uh, Matthew Guy lost four years ago, right? Stepped down, then became leader again, lost again now, stepped down. Uh, what's he going to do? You know, try again in four years? If if the libs can't figure this out, uh, what's the old saying about insanity is... Uh, applying the same uh, failed uh, uh, means to get to the same outcome. Uh, you know, if you haven't learned your lesson by now, you might as well give up the game, find a new day job. Um, so, yeah, there's looking at four or five libs now who might take over leadership. Is any of them going to be any better? Well, remains to be seen. There's not many good libs left uh, in the party. In fact, they keep expelling those who are good, right? We had the Christian uh, candidate, Renee Heath, who simply because she went to a church that believes the Bible, uh, Matthew Guy wanted nothing to do with her. They already got rid of uh, Bernie Finn. So, you know, what are you going to do with a party that keeps getting rid of their best conservatives and Christians and keeps running with a woke uh, so-called moderate liberals, it's its just not going to do anything, not get anywhere. So yeah, in the campaign, bad news, the outcome, bad news. And if the libs don't wake up one of these days real soon and take a good hard look at themselves and why they keep losing, this has been what, I think six out of seven of the last, uh, you know, Victorian elections where the libs have lost, you'd think they'd start waking up by now asking a few hard questions. So it's... Uh, you don't have to be a political whiz to see that something's amiss, something's got to change. Whether the libs ever learned that lesson remains to be seen. Uh, one of the uh, former liberals, Tim Smith, said, look, it's likely it's going to be the year 2030, right, before the libs get back in, the way they're going. Uh, so if you're, uh, you know, a political pundit only without, uh, you know, faith considerations, you would be a man uh, to most be pitied. You'd be quite miserable right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm miserable, but I do have faith. So we'll look at that angle in a moment. But yeah, politically speaking, it's bad news, very discouraging and uh, no hope on the near uh, future. I know there's been a lot of um, speculation and, and uh, discussion around what the Liberals need to do to yeah. um, to become government worthy and you know, there are a lot of people saying that the issue with this uh, election was that they became too conservative and there are other people saying that they were, as you said, you know, labor light. So yeah. um, there's a lot of a lot of speculation, but I guess um, well here's a here's a question. Do you think that there is uh, is actually a conservative base uh, that's of numerical significance in, in Victoria anymore, or do you think that um, there's a lot more grassroots work that needs to be done? Well, both. Um, I mean, there's certainly conservatives out there. Again, if you had whatever, 34% libs, 36 labor, however it finally turns out, that's pretty close, right, in terms of that. Mm. 
And you have a Christian base. Sure, it's always a small base of Christians. And sadly, some Christians, you know, go figure, uh, probably think Dan Andrews is the way to go. Somehow he embraces Christian values, which is, you know, madness plus. Uh, so there's a Christian and conservative base there, uh, and it has to be tapped into. What we really had happening here is Matthew Guy and the Libs said, we're not interested in the real conservative base. We're not, certainly not interested in the Christian base. We're going to ignore you. We're going to slight you, and we're going to hope somehow to still win an election. So those saying that the libs are too conservative, well, it's pretty hard to make that case when, you know, just about everybody who was conservative and Christian was either hounded out of the party, booted out of the party. And most of the policies Dan Andrews have has run with for the last eight years, the libs have supported. So uh, I don't think you can make the case that the libs have been too conservative and that's why they lost. You can make the case they're too woke, they're too left, and they're too wishy-washy, lacking in principle, and that is why they lost. So uh, libs start need to be listening to voices of reason here, not the loony left. You know, the left is always going to give their reasons why the liberals aren't going to make it, but they need to start listening to their own base, their own supporters, their own, uh, you know, uh, conservatives, uh, well, even their own forefathers, the Menzies and the others of the party in the days gone by, who stood for something, who believed in something, believed in the family, believed in basic values. Uh, that's pretty much gone with, again, not just Victoria, much of around the country. So if they think they're going to get far by moving away from some of those early values and beliefs, well, it's, it hasn't been working so far, as far as I can tell. And uh, if they want to stay in the political wilderness forever, well, just keep doing what you're doing. It, you'll be guaranteed to have that outcome. <laughs> mm. It's been interesting seeing the way that uh, a lot of uh, Christians and conservatives have have reacted to this election outcome um you know there's been a lot of discouragement um understandably so uh, after you know now a third term with daniel andrews again um but i've heard i've heard comments you know that uh, the election was rigged and people saying this will be the last time they'll be voting um do you have any opinions or thoughts on that yeah well that is coming up more and more mind you in in america <laughs> you can certainly make that case about rigged elections not only uh, two and a bit years ago, uh, all the problems with uh, what uh, Dominion voting machines and software and all the ballots lost and, you know, the old problem of dead people voting five times and so on. Uh, so certainly some cases, well, Brazil is another recent election where people are wondering, you know, has that been stolen as well? Uh, look, could there be? Uh, it's possible here in Victoria. Uh actually got some conservative Christian friends who uh, work at the polling stations and have been involved in them. And they're wondering, you know, they think it's kind of hard that it could be uh, rigged, but yeah, anything's possible. I mean, even Mulgrave, uh, Dan Andrews' seat, there had to be a recount there. There were some odd issues going on. So, look, it's, it's always possible, and you wouldn't put it past the uh, powers that be to do what they can to get their outcome assured. Uh, but even if, you know, everything was above board and everything was fair, 
well, it's not looking good in terms of the electorate. If you really think Dan Andrews is the best we can do, uh, well, we're in a bad way. Um, sure, with Matthew Guy being so poor as an opposition leader, you can see why. I guess better the devil you know than the one you don't. So, you know, let's stick to Dan. We may not like him. But we don't see much of an alternative anywhere. So, yeah, there's, well, lots uh, going on here. I wrote, uh, well, a number of pieces. There is a connection here with the whole Great Reset kind of issue. Uh, you know, well, not just Klaus Schwab and people like him, but this whole move for so many decades now in the West to really take over the institutions of power and influence, certainly education, certainly media, right? If you have kids growing up, getting a nonstop left-wing, secular left propaganda, basically, indoctrination, then they go straight to the polling booths and just kind of take what they've learned there and apply it in the vote. Uh, no surprises. And of course, no surprises that the Greens and others are now calling, let's lower the age of voting, right? Let's let, you know, the 16, let's bring it down to 14, maybe 10 and six-year-olds. Why not? Let them all vote. They're being so well uh, mastered by their masters in our school system, getting all the left wing, you know, whether it's climate change hysteria, name the name the issue, they're getting at full tilt in our schools. So of course you'd want these guys young as they're still hopefully learning, growing, maturing, right? Hopefully by the time they get in their twenties or thirties, then they might be a little bit better placed to assess things, but to uh, bring them in, let them vote with all the propaganda they've gotten for year in and year out. And by the way, if you're getting what? 20, 30, 40 hours uh, a week in uh, public education indoctrination. You get an hour a week, maybe in your Sunday school, learning the color and pictures of Noah's Ark. Well, guess who's going to win? Guess whose values are going to predominate, even if your kids are in Christian homes, conservative homes. So, yeah, that all doesn't help at all. And therefore, you can see why we're getting those kind of outcomes. So now people are saying, well, look, New South Wales election next. Maybe that'll go labor, leaving only Tasmania. What happens there? You might have the entire country, right, state and federal, under labor governments. That, that's kind of a scary thought. Where's the balance? Where's the two-party, you know, give and take and all that? So um, whether or not we have any kind of rigging going on, uh, you know, dishonesty, always possible. Right now, we have, in a sense, rigging in our schools, in our media, in our corporate world. Everything has been pretty much taken over by the secular left. Christians have pulled out. Conservatives have been left floundering. And so, in a sense, you could say that's where the rigging is taking place. They've taken over education. They've taken over mainstream media. So we're not getting balanced views on anything. We're getting only one side of the story. So, in a sense, that's a bigger kind of rigging that we have to deal with. That's a bigger kind of theft we have to try to work out. And that'll be a big project, a long-term project. It won't happen overnight. And if Christians keep pulling out, right, saying, oh, politics is of the devil. I'm just interested in spiritual things. Well, see how that's going to work out for you. We'll keep getting more of this, more anti-Christian bigotry in our laws, legislation, more 
Christophobic governments getting in power all around the country, and soon we will be in the catacombs, right? Soon we will be uh, thinking, where can we go to avoid hardcore persecution? It's already upon us. It's getting worse. So if that's your cup of tea, well, just keep living outside of the political, cultural world. Live in your own little spiritual bubble and see how that works. Mm, you're really good points. You've written a few articles recently reflecting on on the Victorian election, and um, yeah, in particular, sort of um, encouraging people to uh, not not give up hope, and and you know, showing us that as as Christians, uh, we do have hope beyond um, purely the political. But there is that balance, obviously, between continuing to, um, as you say, be engaged and involved in politics, but not seeing that as our our hope. Yeah, no, absolutely. As always, extremes to be avoided. Try to get the biblical balance. One extreme is to say politics is everything. Politics is our savior. Get the right party and the right politician and everything's going to be fine. Look at some uh, leader as Messiah, you know, put all your hopes in elections and so on. Well, that's wrong, obviously, for the Christian. But the other extreme, right, is to totally discount politics, social, cultural issues, live in a kind of airy-fairy cloud where you pray a lot, which is great, but you never put feet to your prayers. You never do practical things to make your prayers reality. That's another extreme, right, that we have to avoid. It's like the old... Uh, me making the round about, well, similar with God's sovereignty. You know, I believe God is in control and, you know, I'm just praying. So there's a guy leaning on his shovel, wondering why a hole in the ground is not appearing. Well, he can pray all he likes, believe in all of God's sovereignty that he likes. But if he doesn't start digging, guess what? He's not going to get that lousy hole. God's not going to do it for him. And it's the same here. If you want to see good government, and you should, righteousness exalts a nation. If you want to see godly leaders, if you want to see the faith not being attacked so much, our kids not under constant warfare, well, guess what? You got to get your hands dirty. Pray, sure, spiritual warfare. You have to do that, but you also have to work. Get involved. Some of you might mean running for office. Some of you might mean joining the political party. Certainly some of you will mean learning carefully about who's uh, the best person to vote for, uh, being aware of the issues. All that's part of, of it. We can't just live in the clouds. We got to get our feet back on the ground. And hopefully that combination is going to be the way to proceed. Hmm. And I can imagine um, different people in response to this kind of disappointing uh, electoral results going to each of those different extremes. You know, some people will want yeah. to withdraw and, and you know, yeah. give up yeah. hope. Like I said before, people saying, well, this is the last time I'm going to vote or do anything yeah. like that. And then others will get sort of too fixated on the, the political side and, and sort of lose sight of the eternal. Yeah, well, you can see the despair in those who do want to give up and pull out. I mean, I, I feel the despair, I've, you know, but I know I can't do that. God has called me to, well, he's called us all to be salt and light, right? That certainly means prayer at the very least, but it means getting involved in the issues of the day and the political processes and so on. Uh, you know, it looks very grim right now here in Victoria. I live here. Come on. I've had two years of lockdown hell, uh, and it looks like there's probably going to be more now, uh, as Andrews has promised. Uh, and, well, 
Queensland is very grateful. Certainly it's real estate market. All the Victorians who fled up north, right? They're going to be more people fleeing Victoria. Um, and that's one response. Others might have to pray, Lord, do you want me to stay and fight? We can use some troops on the ground here to fight. So, uh, yeah, easy to despair and easy to lose hope and easy to forget that God is still on the throne. He really is. It doesn't look this way. And I pray every day, Lord, come on, give me a visible, tangible proof you're on the throne. You know, let, well, you know, if I see Fiona Patton lose her seat, I'd say that'd be a good one. Uh, if I see Bernie Finn get back in, I'd say that's a good one. If, uh, well, I hate to say it, but, well, I pray improve or remove some of these guys. So if Dan Andrews has another fall on the steps and this time with a more permanent outcome, I mean, uh, well, come on. I think, well, we can pray. God, either get him saved, people like this, get him gloriously saved or remove him from office. And I think that's a biblical prayer. And, uh, you know, will he make his next four years? Will he last the whole four years? Will God surprise us with something? You just don't know what God can do. It's looking grim, uh, but we do have to believe God is still working out his purposes. He wasn't caught by surprise at the election outcome. He hasn't taken a vacation. He won't be gone for four years. He's here still doing stuff. So in a sense, we Christians need to kind of, well, maybe ask for forgiveness because we maybe look too much at our circumstances, right? You can do it on the small scale. Oh, I got bad toothache or I lost my wallet or I lost my job. God, where are you? And we rightly tell people like this, yeah, well, don't concentrate on your circumstances. Look at God who's still there. And it's true of the bigger picture, right? State and federal elections, uh, we look at those circumstances, we get really bummed, but even there, we have to somehow look beyond what we're seeing with our eyes of flesh. And yeah, it's it's gloomy, it's a bummer, but we have to look beyond to God, right? David uh, could see Goliath. Most people saw this giant, an invincible giant. David could look beyond Goliath and see God, and he had faith to move mountains to take down giants. So we have to have that same faith here. It's looking a bit slow, but as I've said often, well, look, uh, Israel was in exile for right 70 years. Didn't look good then. Uh, Soviet communism and power 72 years didn't look good then. So if we have eight or 12 years of labor in Victoria, not looking good, certainly hard if you're in the midst of it, but it won't last forever. Nothing lasts forever. Eventually, Dan's going to go or die. Eventually, the libs or somebody better will get back in. So things come and go in the political realm, but God remains constant. He's always there. He's always uh, doing the best. So we believers need to give ourselves a little pep talk, a spiritual pep talk, and believe God is still here. Yeah, things look lousy in the world right now, but God is still here. He's still active. So we can trust him to get the best outcomes. That's really, really wise advice. Um, I think very pertinent for, for many people at the moment. Um, you've written another article, um, which was drawing some parallels between the um, the Victorian Labour government um, and the Communist uh, Party in China. And, um, you know, to a lot of people that might be 
quite a quite a hard <laughs> hard case to make. But um, yeah, why did you why did you draw that comparison? Yeah, yeah. Well, first and foremost, it was more the what the crowds were doing. Uh, the crowds in Victoria it looks like wanted more Dan Andrews, wanted more tyranny, more lockdowns, more loss of freedom, more loss of democracy, more loss of basic human rights, which is what we've been experiencing. But at the same time, this happened in this past weekend in Victoria, what happened in China over the weekend and still happening, right? Crowds taking to the streets Wanting freedom, they're saying, stand down to the communist Chinese leader. Here we're saying, we want you back, Dan. We love your, uh, we love your authoritarian ways. It makes us feel secure and safe. The exact opposite right now is happening in the streets of cities all over China. They're saying we've had enough. The immediate. Uh, uh, reason for this was, well, different things, but the continuing COVID lockdowns in China, including a fire in an apartment complex where a lot of people lost their lives. And they're saying it's exactly because of these policies, these lockdown policies that these people were killed. We want freedom. We're sick of the lockdowns. We want governments to be accountable, to be responsible, and not just treating us like uh robots and masses of uh, sheep. So I just thought the contrast couldn't be greater, right? The sheeple in Victoria seem to like their captivity. They like their master. They want to worship more at his feet. But the people in China are saying, no, we don't want this. So how is it we get the most uh, horrible country where there's a powerful freedom movement and here in the so-called free West, we have people loving their captivity and loving their their masters. Uh, I, I, you know, it boggles the mind. Uh, we're getting worse, and China looks to be getting better. We haven't had this kind of uh, uprising in China, of course, since the '89 Tiananmen Square. Of course, that led to a massacre, to a bloodbath, to a brutal repression. We need to pray right now. For the Chinese, that'll likely be their fate once again, right? Uh, blood on the streets, people being mown down. And uh, of course, with the social credit system, where they keep tabs on everybody, they will know exactly who's the one who's doing the protests. They will lose even more benefits if they don't lose their very lives. And, and yet here in the West, all of our people are calling for the same kind of social credit system, the whole uh, digitized identity system, the cashless society, the surveillance society, right? The whole bit, everything that China is doing, Dan Andrews and so many others in the West want to see happening here. Why aren't we learning? Why aren't we learning from history? Why aren't we learning from the horrible things happening in China? So I say, yeah, in a sense, Dan Andrew, well, first of all, he's in bed with the Chinese communists, right? The Belt and Roads initiatives. He loves China. He loves doing deals with China. That's got to be a worry to begin with. But of course, between Victoria and China, you probably have the two worst jurisdictions in the world for lockdowns, for erosion of freedom, for a violation of basic human rights. So you got a lot of parallels there. Uh, they both seem to hate religion, right? They said Dan Andrews certainly hates Christianity. 
uh, Chinese communists hate, well, certainly the Muslims, but Christians as well. So there are parallels, sure. We're not as bad as what we see happening in China, but we are heading that way. And if you vote people in who have this kind of mindset, this uh, idea that they can just keep the masses in check with the ever-expanding state and powers and control, that's scary. Come on, what we saw in Germany in the 30s was kind of similar, right? The slow democratic buildup, voting in people like this, and then soon, bit by bit, freedom's taken away. We're seeing it here in Victoria. We're seeing it in America. We're seeing it in Europe. We're not learning. And therefore, when you don't don't learn the lessons of history, right, you end up repeating its mistakes. So I'm scared. I'm worried. Uh, My biggest concern is the masses are absolutely asleep at the wheel. They just can't see what's going on, right? I can understand tyrants wanting to push their agendas. But when most of the people are just utterly clueless as to what's going on. That probably bothers me the most. You know, God, wake them up, send revival, do something. But right now, it's not looking good at all. Mm, yeah. Now, before we um, sort of, well, as we as we wrap up, I think, you know, it'd be really helpful to look at some, I guess, where to from here sort of yeah. points. And, you know, it is grim and, and we've talked talked about that a fair bit. But um I guess what lessons can we draw from from the Victorian election to take into the next election? Um, you know what mm-hmm. what hope can you see going forward? Yep, yep. Well, as we said, um, politically speaking, we need genuine opposition parties. That would be a good start. Whether the Liberals get their act together and start becoming that remains to be seen. I mean, we had plenty of small. Right. Freedom, faith and family parties, uh, you know, as often happens, not all of them did all that well. Uh, Again, there might be a few. Uh, Bernie Finn now leading the DLP. He might get in. So kind of a resurrection of the old DLP. Uh, Maybe a few of the others. uh, Ian Cook of the famous Sludgate fame. If you Well, not everybody may know, but he challenged Dan Andrews and uh, he he did pretty well. Didn't make it all the way, but he did quite well. Um, So there's a bit of hope in terms of, you know, well, what often happens, right, with these smaller independent parties. You, You kind of wait two weeks out before an election, then you recruit everybody. Right. Joe Blow off the streets, never had a minute of political experience. Hey, do you want to run for this seat? Do you want to run for that seat? So they get totally inexperienced people two weeks before the election. Uh, almost always they get, you know, what, 17 votes, five from their family and, you know, 10 from friends, whatever. So the smaller parties, if they want to be a real impact, they have to do more, work more. Sure, it's hard. You need money and need a lot of help. But, you know, they need to lift their game a bit and not wait to the last minute. So that's kind of the political side of things. As we said, the cultural, we need to get back and somehow redeem education, redeem the media. That doesn't happen overnight. That's going to take a generation or more. So we have to be ready for the long haul. So if, not wanting to stand on uh, eschatological toes here, but if your whole hope is, you know, I got my bags packed, my feet are up, I'm waiting for the rapture, I'm actually glad as things get worse and worse. Well, 
well, maybe, maybe that may not happen, right? That's one view of end times. It's not everybody's view and it may or may not be correct, right? What happens if it isn't? What happens if we all keep going through more and more hardcore uh, tribulation persecution? Uh, if you're, all your hopes are in just being whisked away and if it doesn't happen, that's going to bomb out a lot of Christians. So that's part of it. But yeah, praying for revival. I mean, at, at the bottom, that's got to be our only hope. It's, it's not going to be a, a renewed liberal party. It's not going to be winning. You know, eventually we will win at the ballot box. But that, at the end of the day, is not going to save us. So yeah, it's got to be the church, as I said, my pieces. Get on your faces before God. Probably repenting would be a good start for all kinds of things not being salt and light, not taking God seriously, not trying to let your light shine in a very dark and needy world, just, you know, living for yourself, living to, you know, get another house, another vacation, a third car, a fourth TV. You know, where are your priorities? What are your values? Is it to serve Christ in the kingdom fully? Or is it just business as usual? You're kind of living a life indistinguishable from any pagan. So it's got to begin with us. With us. Uh, judgment begins with the household of God. I think repentance would be our first part of call, seeking God, seeking revival, asking God, what can I do? Uh, what can I do four years from now with the election? So that's got to be the place we begin, but uh, it's, well, it's hopefully a wake-up call. I think God is trying to shake us up, maybe do some weeding, get rid of the wheat and the tares, separate them. Uh, if we listen and learn, good thing. If we don't, well, it's going to be a long slog. So let's pray that we hear God. We try to see what he's doing, and that's got to begin in our own lives. Mm, that's such a such an important message to yeah keep keep focused on the, on the hope that's before us and um, keep focused on, um, on God and you know, that flows into what we do here on on this world. So, yeah, absolutely. Thank you um so much for your your wise words as always, Bill. Um, I'll include uh, links to to the articles that you've written, particularly on the um, Victorian election, in the description, so people can can check those mm. out. But um, yeah, thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Authorised by Warwick Marsh, 1A227 Cordo Road, Mount Kembla, New South Wales, 2526.